if there was ever a theme song f- from from yours truly, that would be Barnes Courtney Champion. Man, I love that song. I get goosebumps every time I hear it. What's up, everybody? Ryan Thomas live on the Thomas Take Sports Podcast. And great day for yours truly on the show tonight, uh, Sunday night. As Sunday morning, this morning, I was on the Jets Factor podcast, which is on SoundCloud with CJ Simone, the host of that show, and his co-host, Carlos. Last name, I, I don't want to even attempt to pronounce it because I know I'll botch it. So, Carlos, shout out to him, asked me some great questions, and I've got a lot of positive feedback from the listeners, from the viewers, from all the people um, that I interact with on a daily basis. Buffalo Bills fans, Bills Mafia in particular, have reacted to that podcast interview so well uh, and have given me a lot of positive uh, compliments on my statements within that within that episode. So thank you so much. I greatly appreciate those those kind words and the compliments. And want to give it a shout-out to Nick Trouch. Uh, if I'm mispronouncing his last name, I greatly apologize. But Nick is a uh, Facebook admin on some Bills Facebook groups. I think it's uh, Bills Nation 22. He shared my podcast uh, appearance with the Jets Factor as well as some of my other individual podcast episodes and he didn't have to do that you know he's a good dude good facebook admin um you got some some t-take haters as always that try to kick a man while he's on his all-time high when he's at the top of the mountain but what they find out is that they they swing and miss when they kick and they fall to the bottom so they roll down the hill while i'm still on top so um as the song says, champion, I can take a beat and I'll rise again. Uh, that's that's me all the way. It ain't about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. So th- th- this is going to continue to, to uh, keep rolling. And in the words of Trainwreck Sports, this train never stops. They understand the grind that I'm on. I understand the grind they are on. And tomorrow night... I will be live in Studio D for the second time for my second guest spot with Trainwreck Sports. I love these guys. I love working with these guys. Shout out to Degenerate Al. Shout out to Ty B. Shout out to Maniac Zach Sheldon, who is a legend in the game. All three of those guys are legends. But I always refer to Maniac as a legend in the game. I always refer to Ty B as my man. And I always refer to Degenerate Al as my boy. And, and Burger King, you know, you did you did my man dirty. This guy's trying to put together a show where he's got guests from Die by the Blade, Chad Denominix, and good buddy of mine, Anthony Chandra. They're on Trainwreck Sports last week. And they did a great job, watched bits and pieces of it, but then played it back and, and watched it all in its entirety. And they did a great job, but but part of the, the shtick with Trainwreck Sports is that they want to really welcome their guests. They want to have guests on that, that are fun, that, that are friendly, and and keep it light and fun. That's, that's what they're all about. Degenerate Al... Hypes up this show better than anybody, and he 
goes on and says something to the tune of, you know, on his Twitter that he wants to get chicken parm sandwiches from BK. Now, I've never had one. I, I don't plan on having one, but I think that's part of the part of the bit, part of the gag is that he was gonna get these chicken parm sandwiches for everybody and they would everybody would see how bad they are. And there was a video of producer Burr's, Joe Elbers, biting into the chicken parm sandwich. It was almost as if the sandwich just touched his palate and he just immediately free fall dropped it into the garbage can and it was the funniest thing i have ever seen i was crying i was laughing so hard i even reshared it on my instagram story ryan thomas take and i was i was just these dudes are so hilarious uh and i love working with these guys it's always a pleasure it's a true blessing so i will be live at studio d that'll be live on periscope live on twitter uh also on SoundCloud, so you guys will be able to tune into that. Um, and I really have enjoyed just building these relationships and friendships with these people uh, throughout the course of this you know, three-year journey that the podcast has been on. It has been such a phenomenal blessing in my life, and uh, I look forward to seeing the show continue to grow and, and continue to uh, reach new heights. So that being said, we got some fights to predict preview and predict ufc what what number ufc are we even on at this point i have lost track so so badly desperately lost track uh what what number are we on is it 239 240 let's see here let me look this up while i got it while i got it Ready to rock and roll. UFC 239. So it was right. Saturday, July 6th is the card. Jones versus Santos. And yes, that Jones is Johnny Bones Jones. That number one contender is Tiago Santos, the sledgehammer. Jones, 24-1-0 with one no contest. And that one loss on his record is a loss that should not be there. For as many things I could say about John Jones and his personal life, the way he handles himself, um, the the guy that should have the utmost professionalism, the fighter that should have the utmost professionalism, but continues to show that he doesn't in a lot of different ways. Ah, John Jones should be undefeated. John Jones should not have a loss on his record. John Jones should not have uh, that blemish to matt hamill and i love matt hamill but he did not beat john jones john jones just threw an illegal technique and was disqualified and hamill won the fight but it was an illegal technique and and i guess that's why it still stands amanda nunez is in the coleman event the women's bantamweight champion as well as the women's featherweight champion but she's going to be putting her bantamweight title on the line at 135 pounds when she takes on former world stopper former women's bantamweight champion herself and former head punted ronda rousey's head into the first row holly holm so these are two fighters and amanda nunez and holly holm that that have a common opponent and that common opponent is ronda rousey they both destroyed ronda rousey this these are two fighters that are 
that are a representation of the last two career fights for Ronda Rousey, but they also share another common opponent, interestingly enough, Misha Tate. Amanda Nunes won the title from Misha Tate, and Misha Tate won the title from Holly Holm. So that is an interesting dynamic to this matchup, as well as the fact that they have a common opponent in Valentina Shevchenko, the women's UFC flyweight champion. Shevchenko, unanimous decision over Holly Holm. Shevchenko, a very controversial loss to Amanda Nunes. That's a fight that I'd like to see played back at some point, but who knows if it ever will be. I thought Shevchenko won that second fight, first fight. Can't even remember it off the top of my head, but... I thought Shevchenko won the second one. And that was my thoughts on that. So this is going to be a very interesting matchup. To really go down the set list of the card, we move forward a welterweight fight between Jorge Masvidal and Ben Askren. This could very well represent the number one contender's fight in the UFC welterweight division. Although Colby Covington would have something to say about that. Colby Covington, uh, to say the least, has not, shall I say, represented himself in, in the best of ways or the sport in the best of ways. I like the bit. I understand it. I understand the gimmick. I, I get it. And and partially, it, yeah, it, it does make me laugh a little bit. It does make me laugh a little bit. But uh, is it really a, a, a draw? I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of people that really genuinely do not like Kobe Covington, and I would go as far to say maybe if Kobe Covington didn't embrace the Republican Party side of him with the Make America Great Again hat, maybe people would be more open to him, um, especially in these big cities, New York, very liberal area, uh, California, very liberal state so those are two of the biggest markets that you could fight in New York and California. And Coben Covington has kind of wore out his welcome at both based on his political views. Whether that's right or wrong, you be the judge of that. But I just think that that's the reality of the situation, unfortunately, for Kobe Covington. He could get overlapped. He could get surpassed by Ben Askren if Ben Askren puts forth a very impressive performance or even Jorge Masvidal, who's a teammate of Kobe Covington. So there's a lot of intriguing storylines in that welterweight division. Tyron Woodley just lost his title to Kamaru Usman, reigning, defending champ, soon to be uh, defending that belt. But against who? That's a huge, huge question. Moving forward as well on the card, Jan Blakowicz versus Luke Rockhold in the in the light heavyweight division. Former UFC middleweight champion, for, former UFC middleweight champion Luke Rockhold makes his debut in the UFC's light heavyweight division versus a tough, durable opponent in Jan Blakowicz, a guy that has a chin of granite, whereas Luke Rockhold has proven at least at 185 pounds that he can't necessarily take a shot quite as well as he once could, and. This will be a very interesting dynamic to this fight because Luke Rockhold, I feel, has has needed to move up to 205 pounds for quite a while. Probably should not have taken that fight versus Yoel Romero uh, at 185 pounds. Um, in, in his last fight, he, he just did not look good at that weight. You have a welterweight battle between two longtime UFC vets, one a little bit more of a longtime UFC vet than the other, and Diego Sanchez, ultimate fighter, two-winner, the last of the Mohicans, the last man standing from that season, from even Ultimate Fighter 1, I believe. Um, Diego Sanchez versus Michael Chiesa. 
and that is a welterweight fight. I like Diego at welterweight. I like him at that weight. I think that that will be a hell of a fight. This is July 6th, folks, on pay-per-view, ESPN Plus pay-per-view, T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada, John Jones, Tiago Santos. So now let's dive into the prediction piece of the podcast. I think that this fight between Jones and Tiago Santos is very interesting because Tiago Santos has true power in his hands. I don't know if John Jones has fought a fighter with as much power in his hands as Tiago Santos. I know this is a lot. That is a huge compliment, Tiago Santos. Quentin Rampage Jackson, a powerful fighter. Rashad Evans has power in his hands. Machida has power in his hands. Jones has fought fighters with power, but in terms of piecing it together and putting it together and and using the right punch at the right time that creates the most impact, I feel like Tiago Santos has a lot of really big punches in his repertoire. And I find that to be very interesting because John Jones, if there's one facet of John Jones' game that he might need to work on a little bit, it is his ability to trade and stand and trade punches with another fighter. He showed in his performance versus Alexander Gustafson in the first fight that he had a very tough time fighting that style, that toe-to-toe style. John Jones is not a fighter that does well going toe-to-toe, and he uses that distance, he uses that reach, uses that length on his opponents, and that is what has helped him largely in his fights. I don't think Tiago Santos is going to let John Jones do that. I think if Tiago Santos is a smart guy, he would study the tape and see that John Jones does use distance to create space to land a combination or one uh, strike that the opponent could barely see coming, a spinning back elbow or a standing elbow or even a... uh, even even a straight or a jab or a hook. The hooks of John Jones are very deceptive, very deceiving, and they come from weird angles. So obviously John Jones can can strike. He's got a great repertoire of strikes, um, really can, can put his combinations together. But I feel like Tiago Santos will stay tight to him, will stay in his face. And any fighter that stays in John's John Jones' face, he, he's, he's bent a little bit. I, I've noticed it in particular, with his second fight with Daniel Cormier. You know, to be honest, I thought Daniel Cormier was winning that fight, heading into that round where eventually Cormier was knocked out and John Jones won back the light heavyweight belt, only to be stripped of it soon thereafter. But I, I thought Cormier won that fight um, heading into that round or was winning that fight heading into that round, and Jones was able to close the show. But... Cormier, can't take that away from him. He did look good for a little bit there. He primarily looked good due to the fact that he stayed tight to John Jones. He didn't let John Jones create space. And I think that that is the key to victory for for Tiago Santos. We've seen upsets in MMA. As I mentioned earlier, Holly Holm versus Ronda Rousey was seen as an upset by a lot of people. Not by me, but by a lot of people terms of the high profile that Ronda Rousey had in comparison to, to Holly Holm, um, people were shocked by that. But I can't say I was shocked. Can't say it. Just can't say I was shocked under those circumstances for those reasons, but it is what it is.
I think that if Santos lets Jones create distance, Jones could eventually actually take Santos down and maybe pommel him, maybe submit him. But we will see. My prediction as far as who will win the fight, I, I can't pick against John Jones. He's one of the greatest fighters in UFC history, one of the greatest fighters in MMA history. So that is how I see that. I, I see Jones winning it in similar fashion to how he's won against Gustafson and how he's won against Cormier. I feel like he will neutralize the stand-up game of Tiago Santos, maybe force a clinch, maybe force some takedowns, and we'll see some true John Jones 101 throwback performances where Jones got the takedown and maintained top position and then just smashed his opponents on the ground and none of which could really take it. So that's how I see that fight. I think John Jones will be and still UFC light heavyweight champion John Jones. Women's co-main event, Amanda Nunes versus Holly Holm. This is a very intriguing matchup because Amanda Nunes is coming off the biggest win in women's MMA history. And the last woman to have the biggest win in MMA history was Holly Holm. So these are the two biggest names, I think, in the in the history of women's fighting. Two of the most accomplished. You know, really, I thought Holly Holm and her performance versus Chris Cyborg, which ultimately was a decision. I thought Holly won that fight, but, um, you know, that's neither here nor there. You know, Nunez, Holm, Cyborg, probably the three most accomplished, along with Ronda, in, in terms of women's fighting. But Nunez knocked out Ronda. Home knocked out Ronda, and I think it's safe to say that, that Cyborg would knock out Ronda. Ronda really was just a product of her time, product of the division, a very weak division, a new division, and eventually the division evolved, and she devolved. So back to the subject matter, though. Amanda Nunes, I, I don't know if anybody can beat her, but I think if there's anyone that could beat her, if there's anyone that could somewhat slow the fight down, it would be Holly Holm. Amanda Nunes loves to have these quick starts where she comes out, guns blazing, snarling, throwing punches from, from crazy different angles. If Holly Holm can just slow that down, slow that pace down of Amanda Nunes just a little bit, let Amanda Nunes know that she's actually in there because I think Amanda Nunes fights so quick because she doesn't want to be in there. She knows that she can close out the show, so why not close it out early? I get that, but I don't think she'll close out the show fighting Holly Holm early. Uh, I, I will pick Amanda Nunes, but I think it'll be a, a very come-from-behind performance where Holm does the little things to win on the judges' scorecards, and then uh, Amanda Nunes will, will catch her in a submission or will catch her uh, with a big punch that will eventually lead to a submission. That's how I see that fight breaking down. Next up, Jorge Masvidal versus Ben Askren. Masvidal 33-13 and 13 in his career. This guy is game bred, hence the nickname. This guy's fought the who's who. He's fought everyone from the Strike Force era, Elite XC, I believe he fought in, as well as the UFC. And here we have Ben Askren, the ever so talented Ben Askren. Judging by his physique, you would think that he was your plumber that lives down the street. But the guy is one hell of a wrestler in terms of his MMA chain wrestling. And... I see him neutralizing Jorge Masvidal. I see him taking Masvidal down 
and really neutralizing Masvidal in the clinch against the against the fence. If he can't get the takedown, he's going to hope that Masvidal puts his back to that cage. Askren will just duck and run right through Masvidal's legs and allow himself the opportunity to get that takedown and, and control the fight. Ben Askren is three takedowns away from winning that fight. Light heavyweight, Jan Bukowitz, as I said, versus Luke Rockhold. I think that Luke Rockhold will actually win this fight, and I think it'll be in very impressive fashion, which will then create the new number one contender for the UFC 205-pound weight class. Yeah, you're saying, what about Anthony Smith? He just beat Alexander Gustafson. Well, if I've learned one thing about the UFC is that they like to put matchups between former champs and a current champion. They've done it so many times, I could see it. Again, once again, with Luke Rockhold. Welterweight Diego Sanchez versus Michael Chiesa. The final fight I'll be predicting uh, for tonight's UFC 239 preview and prediction on the Thomas Tech Sports Podcast. Diego Sanchez uh, is really coming off a big win versus Mickey Gall. Michael Chiesa, uh, I believe, had a win over Carlos Condit. So this will be a fun fight. I'm rooting for Diego. I want to see Diego win as many fights as possible before he hangs him up. Um, I'm not really much of a Kiesa fan. I don't really like his personality, and I don't really like the way he interacts with the media and fans. Um, not that that should matter as far as his fighting skill. He's a talented fighter, but I'm just not too big of a fan. Diego Sanchez, I am a fan of. I'm picking my boy Diego. So that's how I see it. UFC 239, July 6th, T-Mobile Arena. Watch on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. I'm Ryan Thomas. That was the Thomas Take Sports Podcast. And guess what? You can join the takeover by following me on Twitter at Ryan Thomas Take, as well as Instagram, Ryan Thomas Take. Thank you. Enjoy the fights July 6th. Tune in.